reality of that is there are these think tanks that are funded by multinational corporations that have plans to have regime change in Russia, break the country into, I think, 13 or 14 smaller countries and steal their resources the way it was being done under the Yeltsin period. Now, Putin will not allow that to happen if he's able to stop it. We've got to get the Americans and the Europeans to recognize that we're on a suicidal path and there's no reason for it. It doesn't do anything for our nation or our national interests or for our families. With the global economy being in shambles and central bankers moving towards a reset, it's never been a better time to protect your wealth by owning precious metals. Contact Andy at milesfranklin.com. Tell him Sarah sent you. He promised me he will guarantee you the lowest price anywhere in the country. Remember, email Andy at milesfranklin.com and tell him Sarah sent you. It's never been a better time to protect your future than now. What, what, what Lyndon LaRouche started saying in the, the 1990s when he came out of prison, where he was put in prison by George H.W. Bush and, and a handful of others, including Robert Mueller, when he came out of prison, he said, look, the world is changing. Russia, India, and China are going to be major powers. The United States should be the fourth power to work with them. And fight the last years of his life was to pull together an alliance, which he called the Four Power Alliance, which then he was one of the first people to suggest the idea of the New Silk Road or the, the Eurasian Land Bridge. And this became Xi Jinping's policy after 2013. Uh, we have a, a lot of influence on think tankers and others in China on this idea of what is a corridor of development instead of just stealing resources and taking it away, the, the, which is the real debt trap. The Chinese are trying to build cities. They're trying to use the transportation connections to have a, a dialogue of cultures and civilizations. Yeah, but and how do we know? Okay, but how do we know with everything that's going on, if they build up, I mean, if we would have done LaRouche's way, or if we think of ourselves and say, okay, let's join together as an equal balanced power and work together in this world. But how do we know that if we, they get to this power and we let ourselves fail, like it seems like they're trying to collapse our society, not China and Russia, but our arm. Our own people are doing so many dumb things that they're destroying our own country and our everything that we have. How do we know that these guys aren't going to want to aren't going to just bury us because of all of revenge and just versus let us build back and be our our own country and free and leave us alone and we need to rebuild back in a better way. Well, I think in both Russia and China, you have what they call in China, the wolf warriors, who actually do say, we've got to pay them back. We suffered terribly under the European colonialism. That's right. That's who I'm talking about. And, and, and we've got to do something about it. But that's not what their policy is right now. Their policy is cooperation and development. And when we say they're carrying out a debt trap, there were three studies that came out just recently on this, which showed that China is forgiving huge amounts of debt. They're restructuring the debt. They're rescheduling it. While we keep going in saying, you pay the debt first before you feed your people or build a hospital. The debt trap is with the Western policy. Now, on this question of what will China do, this is why you need a multilateral series of institutions 
that are committed to cooperation as opposed to war. And we and, don't need, and we need to break down this censorship and propaganda so that people understand what's going on so that we can actually come up with solutions. Yeah. And a, a part of that is to ask the question, why are, just as an example, why are we at war in Ukraine? We could have negotiated with Russia from 2014 to 2022 before the special that's military right. operation was that's launched. That's right. But they Instead, wanted to. we sabotaged it. But see, that's because, my point, where they, they put all those NATO troops on there and everything else. But, and it's not they, the It's Russians like they're doing it on purpose. Well, they are doing it on purpose. They want the raw material wealth of Russia, and they don't they're want- They're delusional, Russia. though. They're delusional well, they, right now. Of course it is, because you're talking about a nuclear power. How they're totally the okay. Wealth of okay, well, power? they're just so. It's like, well, I think they're Sarah, destroying let's, this let country. Just, let me just go, go back ahead. to your. Go I want to go back point. to the banks too. Okay, but I want to go back to your point about how could we trust China? Oh, perfect. Reagan said this thing: trust but verify. If we don't destroy our country, then we'll be a strong, vibrant force in the world That's for the right. good. That's now, right. If we then cooperate with other countries and they see that we're doing that as opposed to being the new British Empire, we have nothing to fear from them. I would argue that the threat to the United States is not from Russia and China, but from our permanent bureaucracy, the so-called deep state, the corporate cartels. That's the threat. That's clearly now, the threat right now. And Although, because everything that happened with COVID, I'm going to say this, everything that happened with COVID, everything that's going on on the borders, all, I mean, if you go bad thing after bad thing, it was us that did it. They keep blaming uh, China or Russia or whatever, but no, we did it. We are responsible. for it. It's like, we, we did it. Well, even if somebody yeah. told us to do it, we still did it. The hospitals <laughs> got paid to use the wrong protocols. We're keeping these borders open. I mean, Hello? Go ahead. Well, then you look at the BRICS. You look at the cooperation that's going on with countries as different as Brazil, South Africa, India, Russia, and China. You look at the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, the African Union. Now the Mercosur is reformed in South America. What's Mercosur calling for? They're calling for high-speed rail systems crisscrossing South America from north to south, going through Central America, linking up with the United States, not to send refugees to the United States, but to do trade. In Africa now, there are no, inter or, or no international rail systems that cross Africa north to south and east to west. The Chinese are building them. So the, the, the future of humanity depends on getting over the insanity of trying to impose one nation's will on another. But what happened to us, though? Because, I mean, we, we're focused on the Green New Deal with carbon, which we know are, is plant food, and the whole science is just really bunk. Yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, it's just stupid. And then we're focused on, um, you, we're tearing down, you know, so we're tearing down the petrodollar and destroying our own dollar in the process of doing that. And then instead of focusing on building up, you know, we have a 30% of our children are girls wanting to commit suicide and all these issues, instead of really hunkering down on how to rebuild healthy children and families, we're pushing transgenderism and transgender surgeries that we, they want us to pay for because then the hospital systems or the clinic systems, there's videos out there saying that a clinic can pay for their whole year with one transgender surgery and how, what a boon to your bottom line. I mean, 
what is there any other country in the world that is doing well that focuses on transgender surgery for children? I mean, there's for a, God's there, sake. There's a rebellion going on in Eastern Europe where otherwise the Eastern Europeans are siding with the United States in Ukraine, but they're opposing the woke agenda. And that's why we attack people like Orban in Hungary. That's why we, the, the European Union tried to censor the Polish Supreme Court. I mean, for God's sakes, the Polish Supreme Court said, we're not going to do things that go against our religion. Or just basic common sense that for children that, <coughs> uh, this isn't even re religious. These are just common, basic sense for humanity, sure. for your society to be strong. I mean, it's like children. so stupid. Yeah. 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 Well, but, uh, but you see, this is, if you look at the broad sweep of things since World War II, for a period from World War II until the assassination of Kennedy, the United States was engaged in supporting decolonization, uh, investing in other countries, and investing in our own science and technology. For example, NASA, the development of nuclear power, uh, a whole number of areas of uh, biomedical research. But after the 60s, when the rock sex drug counterculture was launched and environmentalism was launched, we were made to feel guilty about having a productive economy. The idea that we're despoiling nature, we're, we're trashing Mother Earth. Now, there were some things that were bad that were done, and those were being corrected. But you know, here you have just, just one irony. In China, there are 25,000 miles of high-speed rail that are very, very safe and fast and, and cheap. In the United States, we have a train wreck a week. And when Buttigieg was, when Buttigieg was, was being called the question on East Palestine, what did he say? He said, well, you know, it happens every week. Why? Our trains go 30 miles an hour and they derail. <laughs> We're the B, we're, not, we're not, the JV team that can't even the B squad in comparison. Sure, and then you have people like Blinken and Sullivan and Victoria Newland who are vicious war hawks who see nothing wrong with carrying on the sanctions in Syria. Their focus is—they're just so out of focus. Their priorities are so skewed. We just the priorities are really messed up. Can we talk about the banks? Uh, and sure. again, I mean, we could talk for hours and this is so fascinating, but I, I want people to understand why the banks are collapsing. What's really going on that's causing the banks to collapse? Well, what happened from 2008 to 2019 was something called quantitative easing, which is they decided to keep zombie corporations in business with floods of liquidity. And periodically, for example, 2008 to 2011, it was something like $27 trillion pumped into the system. And then from time to time, they'd lower the interest rates to almost nothing. And banks could give cheap credit to corporations. Now, a zombie corporation is a technical term for a company that doesn't make enough income to pay the interest on its debt. Now, when that happens, we have something called bankruptcy reorganization. But what happens when virtually every industry and every sector is having that problem? So the decision was made by the Federal Reserve under Bernanke, under Yellen, and now under Powell to solve it with liquidity, flows of liquidity, to, to build up the stock market. 
And unfortunately, President Trump went along with this, as did Obama and as did Biden, of using cheap credit to move the stock market higher. Now, you can't keep doing that. At a certain point, you come to the recognition that this debt is unsustainable. And especially when the profits of these banks are dependent on such exotic financial instruments as derivatives. And a, a derivative, I'll just remind people, the term means its uh, value is derived from something of value, but has no value in itself. It's a bet. It is a Ponzi scheme or casino economy. So in 2019, they sort of ran into a limit because they have something called the repo markets where corporations could go overnight for loans and they put up some form of financial paper and get a loan to pay their bills the next day. And then at the end of the day, they pay back the, the uh, loan plus in a little interest. But at a certain point, and that, by the way, that was very profitable for the banks. But at a certain point, the banks were fearful that we were back in 2008, that these payments would not be made. And so they started extending them to 10 days, 14 days. And then in the September 2019, they cut off the money to the repo markets and the Fed had to move in. So at that point, there was a whole new increase in quantitative easing, another 20 or so trillion dollars between 1919 and, and uh, 2019 and 2022. And when at the same time, that started producing inflation, the idea that you stop inflation by uh, raising interest rates meant that you're caught between needing liquidity to keep the businesses open. But by providing liquidity, you're causing inflation. So what do you do? And they had no answer to that because they won't go through bankruptcy reorganization, which is the sound thing, the same thing to do. And they won't stop the quantitative easing. They can't, they don't think they can. So as a result, banks were borrowing money at zero interest, but they had growing debt without the income to cover it. And so they started moving into more exotic areas and derivatives and uh, swaps and currency speculation to try to make more money because the, the more money you could make is from riskier investment. And these riskier investments suddenly started going south because they're, they're not viable. Because they're risky investments. And that's why the Glass-Siegel, there are some bills going through to, well, to but, bring just, it just back. Quickly. Go ahead. Yeah, just quickly. The, the problem then was that they owed this money, but now the credit was cut. And so the scramble for cash started hitting these smaller and regional banks. And whether it was crypto trading or whether it was... Uh, uh, startup trading or whatever, they just didn't have the cash. And the people who had money in those banks started pulling it out because they knew that the, the bank And they was stopped in doing the liquidity deals, the overnight liquidity deals for them to, to bail them out. That's what it sounds like. Because this Well, they're, no, they're still they're still do, doing that. But here's the problem. If you are borrowing money to pay your previous borrowing and you're not making money from new value creation. You can never, not, not only can you never pay the debt, but your debt is going to increase. And it just was going and too that, fast. That debt increase is going too fast where the overnight repo loans wasn't enough. And it's, it's also government debt, it's corporate debt, and it's family debt. Because with inflation, 
families are trying to keep up with inflation, paying bills on credit cards, and the credit card interest rates didn't come down. And so really what we're seeing is the weakness in the overall economy is affecting the banks. Yeah. It's not just the banks. Yes. And that's what I don't and, the, and that's what people don't realize. The banks just didn't suddenly do go bad. It's that all these things that they have out in the economy is going bad that's coming back and haunting them. And they're not calling for a change because they they still think they can game the system and make some money. You know, the one of the simple questions of, of economics that people are forgetting is the difference between solvency and liquidity. The flood of cheap interest credit into the system gives you liquidity to cover short-term the, the bad debts you have, but it doesn't make you solvent. And the question is, what do you do with that liquidity? If you use it to pay off old debt, it's just increasing your overall debt. You're in trouble because you need to use it to build up more business so that you can hopefully dig yourself out of this issue you're in. And that's why they went yeah, to riskier stuff right. because it was it had more potential to, to get them out of this, but it was riskier. And if it backfired, then they're really hosed. And that's what's happening. And, and you, yep. know, you go back to the difference between the Trump tax cut, which gave corporations money, but didn't tell them what they should do with it, and the Kennedy uh, investment credit tax cut, which said, if you invest in things that create new wealth, like new plant and equipment, uh, research and development, uh, job training for workers, you'll get the, the uh, tax credit. But you don't get a tax credit to get the money to put into the bonuses of the CEO and, and the, his cronies and to buy up some, uh, stock in the company. So this is where we went to a total monetarist system in a new neoliberal model, as opposed to the old physical economy that had defined the economic strength of the United States through most of our history. Just sound that, practices. I mean, just to, it's like the guy who can't pay his mortgage. So he goes to the casino to try to make money um, because he can make a lot. That's essentially what they're doing with these risky events. So people understand. It's like, it's like paying your mortgage with a credit card. Yep. You, know, you yep. can cover the monthly payment. That's true. The it's mortgage, a combo. But what do you do when the credit card, the higher interest rate kicks in? The, and the, so the credit card is like the repo market and the, you know, where they're bailing them out constantly. And the banks are like, well, we can't be in this situation. So let's just go try to make bigger bucks. So we go to the casino and play, you know, <laughs> whatever they play. And now, now we have what are called too big to fail banks or sci-fi systemically important financial institutions which means the government can't let them collapse without having the whole economy collapse. That's wrong. Well, how close we are have we? To go... go ahead, keep going. I was going to say, how close so are we to a full collapse? But keep going on what you're going to say. It, 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 you know, I, I think Lyndon LaRouche was one of the best economic forecasters in history. And what he would always say is that there's always a subjective side to this. If people are willing to cut their standards of living, and live with the uh, shortages from the green economy and, and everything else, they can keep it going longer. They can keep kicking the can down the road. But when people suddenly realize there's an end in sight, that they're losing their home, they're losing their future, if enough people can be organized around sound policies, then we can force a change. Now, this is where you get to the most interesting thing for Americans, because we don't know that much about the rest of the world. And so we, we start thinking that the We're pretty rest ignorant. of the world doesn't like us. We're really yeah. ignorant to the rest of the world. And yeah. propaganda and yeah. censorship is the main reason for that. But keep going. 
No, that, that's exactly right. What if the United States joined the BRICS and said, we're going to give up this unipolar order idea. We're going to give up the idea of uh, quick buck speculation and go back to where we really build something so that we can live a life doing something where at the end of our life, we can say to our children, this is what I did in my lifetime to make the world better for you. How do you do that if you're a currency speculator? You know, where you make your money by savaging other countries by betting against their currencies. Uh, you know, just I just saw a figure. I, I just wanted to bring this up. The hedge funds now are betting against bank stocks. Uh, they're essentially in, in two weeks, they made seven billion dollars in betting that bank stocks would collapse. Now, how can we allow a short selling of federally insured bank stocks? That's, that's where we, you see the idiocy in our policy, because it means ultimately the hedge funds will rake in the money and the banks will need a bailout and the American people will have to pay for it. So there are things we can do. Now, Glass-Steagall, there's a, a new bill, uh, H.R. 2417. Is that a bipartisan is, bill, by the way? Because I noticed uh, a lot of interesting people on that. Or is it just from the not, not yet. But it's just the Senator Democrat Hall side, which is kind of interesting because I, I well, think it Senator should be. A, Hawley, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I just think a, a bill like that should be bipartisan. It should be. Yes. And it was in the past. I mean, ironically, John McCain was a supporter of it. And so was Donald Trump of uh, Glass-Steagall. Uh, right now, Marcy Kaptur, a Democratic congressman from Ohio, has introduced it. One of the key interesting people will be Senator Hawley, a Republican from Missouri, because he's opposed to the idea of these bailouts. And with Glass-Steagall, you don't do bailouts. You do reorganization. You force the speculators to have their own institutions and their own you money. clean it up yeah you clean it up you make it healthy exactly and, and glass-steagall is the first of the four proposals lyndon larouche called his four economic laws uh regulated banking uh the second one is a credit system that is not a federal reserve not a private central bank but a national bank that's a credit system that, that create that generates credit for projects that will increase the wealth of the whole society. Not green nonsense, but the technologies that will improve the productivity into the future. Did you hear what JP Morgan was saying about the green thing? He's saying that we need to immediately confiscate land of you know, people, wealthy people, owners, confiscate their land and their assets so that we can immediately do this green new deal crap. This is just coming out recently. Well, this, this was the whole idea. This went back to the man who's going to be king of England, who's, who's being coronated this weekend. He, you know, people talk about Klaus Schwab. Schwab is just a, a evil character. But behind him was Prince Charles, Prince Philip, the Bank of England, and the City of London. They're the ones who pushed this green policy. And they won over key elements of the Democratic Party in the United States. The total population in Germany is insane on this. We're paying, my, my utility bills have gone up, have tripled this winter. And why is it? Because of the blowing up of the Nord Stream pipeline and because of the shutting down of, of nuclear power. Three weeks ago, they shut down the last three nuclear plants in Germany. So our costs are, are skyrocketing. 
And yet people still say, oh, we have to do this to protect Mother Earth. So you have this cult that was created by the media. Yep. You know, it, it, it's a created by argue, the media. They, yeah, they know how are, to do that. They know how to create the cult behavior. They've been studying it for decades. Exactly. And they say the science is settled. No, the science is not settled. If you go into... Well, it's settled that you're wrong. Yeah, <laughs> that's, if that's what you mean by settled, but go well, ahead. It was, it was settled by God because the cause of, of warming and cooling is the solar radiation and the uh, relationship of different galaxies in the solar system. You know, whether you're driving an electric car or a combustion engine adds nothing to the uh, net effect. And yet we're told that you know, cow farts and, and carbon dioxide are causing the problem. So the, the censorship works, but the question is, why do they want to do this? And this is where, Sarah, I would say we have to go beyond the idea that these guys are just stupid. They are stupid, but they're also evil. They believe there are too many people on the planet. It gets back to the depopulation agenda. Exactly. And, and this is the but club what are of they going to... Yeah, go ahead. It's a club of Rome, which was funded by European oligarchs. It's the Rockefeller Brothers Fund. Uh, the, the most wealthy people in the world who don't have to worry about costs of electricity and who don't worry about the costs of flying around the world, they're the ones who are pushing this green agenda. And they're doing it because they do believe that we have too many people and we have to cut back the population. And in some cases, it goes back, and I, the reason I say it's evil, it goes back to eugenics. The yes. idea that some people are just useless eaters, whether it they're does. people with handicaps or different races or different religions. And this is where you see what, what I think the whole point of identity politics is to prevent people from seeing this bigger picture and fight with your neighbor over much smaller concerns. Well, you know what and they're doing? They're, the rest of the world is moving away from the Green New Deal and the depopulation agenda. Oh, most of them are. While we're killing our own people <laughs> and all that's going to happen, we're going to save the planet by killing ourselves. And they're, they're just going to keep moving on. I mean, I, it just... It's the U.S. and Europe that are the radical ideologues on this. Look, in Germany, our foreign minister, Annalena Baerbock, made her name as a trampoline artist. She is one of the dumbest people. And I, you know, I, I get in trouble when I say this because I live in Germany and you're not supposed to say these things. She's the one who said, we're at war with Russia. Uh, she's the one who just went to China and insulted the Chinese when they were talking about uh, she was there with, with 30 businessmen who wanted to set up businesses in China. And she started lecturing the Chinese about their policies and the Chinese pretty much ignored her. But this is what we have in Europe, a radical green agenda. And yet look in France, 3 million people on the streets uh, over the weekend, large demonstrations against the NATO war in Ukraine, demonstrations against the Green New Deal, demonstrations against the European Union and the loss of sovereignty. I think Europe is going to break out of this before the United States. The good thing about the United States is most people don't aren't radical greenies. They don't really go along with the idea that having a car is killing Mother Earth. And I think we've just got to get a better degree of education to cut through the censorship and get people to understand that they're being manipulated 
by private special interests who would be just as happy if you died. Happier. Like yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's their goal. So, okay. And, and it's a simple message, but it, people go, they roll their eyes and say, oh, that's conspiracy theory. That's right. They don't believe it. Because they don't believe it is the reason why we're still in the situation we're in. If they believed it, we would have more people mobilizing and stopping it. Well, I like what Sergei Lavrov says. He says, the West is going into a post-Christian era, but the global majority is going toward these, uh, the, the new paradigm of peace through economic development. We've got to get the Americans and the Europeans to recognize that we're on a suicidal path and there's no reason for it. It doesn't do anything for our nation or our national interest or for our families. And, and I think the we're coming to a, a very dangerous moment. We didn't really talk that much about Ukraine, but you know, yesterday, uh, Sir Richard Dearloff, who is the former head of MI6, led a group of British parliamentarians to Kiev to deliver the message to Zelensky, the same one that Boris Johnson did last year, no negotiations. Well, they still so, they still are digging in their heels that there's no negotiations. Now, how dangerous, you know, we've been saying for a long time that we're, we're on the edge of nuclear war. But are we? I mean, are we really on the edge of that? And Or are there, that's just people trying to create fear? Well, I think there is a legitimate concern that there could be by accident. If you keep having these military exercises and buildups, there, there could be by accident something that could happen. I don't think Putin has any intention of using nuclear weapons. Uh, the Chinese certainly don't, but the people who talk about nuclear weapons are in the Pentagon. Well, they actually and think they can win a nuclear war. They put out they papers right. and stuff on it. So the nutbags well, are, and we all, are we also, in our presence. Yeah. Well, our, our president, who may not know how to think about these things, is under the control of people like Blinken. That's and, right. Uh, people who and, think uh, that we can win a nuclear war. And Susan Rice. And this is the Clinton-Obama team that goes back to Zbigniew Brzezinski and his geopolitical theories. But on, on this question of nuclear war, the Russians are saying that only if their national security and sovereignty is threatened would they consider using nuclear weapons. Meanwhile, the, the U.S. is having discussions all the time about when would be the right moment and when should we use it. And this is where you, you see the interesting thing that just came out with what whoever this 21-year-old is, Air National Guardsman, the document shows something interesting. In the Pentagon, they know that Russia is not losing the war in Ukraine and that we are. And yet, John Kirby goes They know that says, for a long time, but go ahead. They, 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 it's all propaganda. Well, what I saw this interview with Kirby yesterday. He said, this information has no business in the public domain. Why? What, we shouldn't know what the Defense Department is really thinking. We, should we get shouldn't know. From you. We shouldn't know the truth about what's happening in the war so that you can commit, commit more people to die and spend more money. That's and then it. also know that uh, hundreds of millions of dollars aren't even going to the effort. They're going to funneling off for, for people, you know, stealing for their own benefit. We shouldn't yeah, know any of hundreds that. Hundreds of millions. And we shouldn't Rand know Paul that, tried, I guess. When Rand Paul tried to set up a, a general inspector, he was voted down. But listen to the rest of Kirby, because it really fits in with your work on the fight against censorship. I should say our work. 
Kirby said, this information has no business in the public domain. It has no business on the front pages of newspapers or television. It is not intended for public consumption and should not be out there. In other words, what should be out there? Lies and suppression Jeez. of truth. That's exactly that's, what he's saying. If that shouldn't be out there, then what should be? That's exactly. Yeah. And then you have AOC coming out talking about how people should be taken off there because they're, you know, they're instigating violence. It's like all the and she's advocating for. She's just a puppet, right? She's what she's doing is putting out a voice of what a lot of people are going to start saying it saying and so that was what they're that was just a message they're starting to put out there and so because the supreme court said with censorship if you incite violence that isn't covered under censorship so now they're going to try to reframe every one of us all of us as inciting violence and then they can weaponize that mm -hmm. and take people off the air when it really does not clearly does not fit within you know it clearly should be protected under the first amendment rights well, the Ukrainian security services have already designated me an information terrorist. That's what I mean. So you talking about having your opinion, talking about you're inciting violence for telling the truth, telling your perspective, it's different than theirs. So you're inciting violence and you need to be taken off the air and you're not protected under the First Amendment. That's what they're going to try think, to do. Sarah, I think the good thing is that if you really get the American people's attention, they don't like this stuff. They they don't like. They're right. Truth done. is on our side. They, yeah. they, don't want, they don't. They don't like. They it. don't like what was done with Tucker Carlson. They don't like the suppression of, of discussion of public discussion. And I have a bunch of young friends who you've probably seen on on videos intervening at events, challenging AOC, challenging Elizabeth Warren, challenging uh, uh, the, the the Somali woman, the Congresswoman, uh, challenging the New York Times getting right in their face saying, why are you lying? Do you know that we know that you're lying? We need and these young people doing that. that well, that's where recent, it needs to come from. Go ahead. The most recent one of these, my friend Jose Vega, 27-year-old guy from Brooklyn, confronting the New York Times, that's had 15 million views. I know, that went viral. OAN covered it. All, keep going. Explain what he yeah. did. Well, what he did is he they were having this thing on press uh public press uh responsibility or something and it was the new york times the washington post reuters all editors talking about how important their publications are and he said aren't you the guys who suppressed the seymour hearst story on who blew up the Nord Stream pipelines he said you guys were wrong on iraq you were wrong on afghanistan you were wrong on syria have you gotten anything right how can you sit up there and keep doing this and you they, got all agitated. they got agitated they kicked him out dragged him out with police yeah. do you think that that at all penetrates in their their you know they're just so i, I don't know what word to use do you think it penetrated they, they at feel all protected they feel protected they think the are they above state, they don't care they, that they're lying they think the police state the, the, the national security agency, the monitoring and, and so on will protect them. But it's even in their own ranks. The Columbia Journalism School, where this event took place, had an article published in January of this year by Jeff Gerth, a former New York Times correspondent for 20 years, going through in detail all the lies of Russiagate. 
and how the New York Times, Washington Post, CNN worked with the FBI, worked with the Democratic Party. It's a brilliant article. It's called The, the Press Versus the President. And you can find it on the internet. It, it, it's really quite a damning statement coming from the inside. Now, of course, did it what happened to the him? Newspaper? Is he still in the inside after that? Well, no, he's not in the inside anymore, but he's, he's uh, <laughs> Was he he's pushed still, out? He, I mean, you he, can't be in the inside very long doing stuff like that. They don't like well, that. He's, 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 he's still alive. And, uh, but but you know what is, I mean. You, yeah. you usually can't stay on the inside because they only want people who, who are faithful sheep. Who submit. They, who submit. And when they submit, they're well rewarded. The, the, they're technically known as prestitutes. Yes, because exactly. of their yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's that's what we're dealing with. But I, I, I'm encouraged overall by the fact that I think the world is moving out from under this unipolar order, the so-called rules-based order. That the U.S. Uh, war machine is losing uh, its credibility, and the only question is, can we get enough Americans who will stand up and and fight for things like Glass Steagall? to take the power out of the hands of these corporate cartel gangsters. And that's what the fight is. Don't you think the people, if they knew, would be moving towards that direction? It's really a fight to just get the information to them and to stop the propaganda and the censorship. We, we have to be strong and optimistic because the handful of people who are telling the truth, for example, when the whole Ukraine counteroffensive collapses, there are going to be a lot of people standing there with their, their shorts around their ankles with, with nothing to say. And, you know, reality will catch up. The question is, can we get it to catch up before there's too much damage done? Well, we have to stay strong. It's hard to stay strong, Harley. I'm, I was just thinking about how you have stayed in this for decades and are strong. And I'm, I'm learning what you have to, what we're, we go through to be able to bring truth to people and, and the persecution. I mean, my gosh, the persecution that we're going through. Maybe the persecution wasn't as bad over the last couple of decades. I know it was really bad during the 80s for you. But I mean, my gosh, to stay with this for this long and to deal with the persecution that you have to deal with is, is quite incredible. Well, look at Julian Assange. Look at Snowden. These are people that's, who... That's even worse, but yeah. yeah. I mean, and, it's it's really intense. Yeah, the worst thing they can do is take away your job, take away your money, take away your life. But you know, the, I think the I, I like the thing that you had in the uh, on the uh, conference. This comment that uh, from Martin Luther King that you yeah, used that I like that one. Your life ends when you no longer fight for things that matter. Something like that. Yeah, that's my one of my our, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. And then you added, we will not stay silent on things that matter. That's what people have to hear. And when they see this kind of conference you organize, when they see people like my friend Jose standing up in, in the halls of power, speaking truth to these so-called powerful nuts, uh, that's an inspiration. And that that's what we need to do, inspire people to realize that it, it's not that we like to be persecuted it's we believe the truth is that's a value right. in and of itself that's right it's it's you just summarized it well we we really don't like to be persecuted but the other is more important to us yeah 
So thank you. Okay. Now where can people follow you? They need to follow you. You do great work that you give people a different perspective so that people can think about things differently and you just don't get it elsewhere. So where can they follow you? Well, every day during the week, I do a 10 to 12 minute video update, which is available through It's still available on uh, Facebook. Uh, you look it up through the, the LaRouche organization. But if people want to get a, a link to sign up to be a part of it, and it's a free sign up, uh, send me an email and I'll send you the link. It's harleysch at gmail.com. Well, and that's and, better because yeah. Facebook no longer gives notifications, I'm assuming. I mean, you, you ha you're you not well, you're not re well I'm, received I'm there by the suppressed. corporation. Yeah, it's I, like, I was up so to 60,000, 70,000 views a day in my daily update. And then all of a sudden, people started writing to me, where do I find your update? What happened That's, to it? Now, what are you at? Like a, less than 100? No, no. It's it's still about 10,000. Oh, that's great. That's great. Up, that's on Facebook, on, on YouTube. No, but that's great that you can still squeak that out on Facebook. What are you getting on YouTube? YouTube, about 2,000. We're, we're yeah, just starting. They, they're better at, at, censor, at oh, shadow yeah. banning there. Yeah. We're, yeah. We're, we're getting a rumble and bit shoot going and uh you got to get those we, going because you can't trust the others i mean you just you can't and no, you should be supporting the other platforms that support you at least yeah. or at least do, don't persecute you and oppress you yeah but if if people write to me harley sch at gmail.com i'll respond and i'll send you a link for free and you can uh, as you say, they, they don't do notifications anymore, but uh, we do send out emails once in a while when things come up that are important. Well, thank you so much, Harley. Thanks for sticking out and sticking in there and just keep going. And I really appreciate it. And thanks for being my friend over the years. And I just, I would just really well, appreciate thanks, it. Thanks for what you, thanks for what you do, Sarah. You're also an inspiration for people. 